short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the Cold War, episode one hundred and eighty-one. Wow, we're good. Recorded uh, this day, twenty-second of January, twenty twenty-one. It's a brand new day in America <laughs> for the first time ever. World. America has an right. old white man as president, Shock. and aren't right. aren't the children excited? It's uh, yes. it's an amazing new day yes. in America because America. I don't know if you know this, Ray, yeah. but America replaced right. an old white man, yeah, with an older that half the people whiter. that half the population hated, right, <laughs> with an old white man, right, that half the population hates. So it's um, it's very it's a very exciting time well, for America. Wouldn't it be fair to say that the previous one didn't follow the um, the idea of D-back, whereas the uh, the one that's in the now, at least he goes through the motions. I mean, he, he fakes it, and I'd rather have a faker than someone who didn't fake it at all. But that's me. Really? Yeah. You prefer someone that fakes it yeah. to someone that doesn't but fake I know it. You'd rather a woman lie there, go, oh, yeah, right, it's so hey, big. she's lying oh, there. Oh, it feels so good. It's, I'm good. You're going to stop right there. She's lying there. I'm good. Uh, Rather than yeah. uh, say, well, listen. <laughs> look, look, this isn't working that, for that me. That half an inch isn't yeah. doing anything for me. So <laughs> well, it's doing it for me. Let's, Sorry. Let's, uh, That's my sex let's, voice. Let's get some toys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me strap something on here. <laughs> not, not that I want to suggest that Trump was telling the truth. No. Ever. Ever. Uh, right. Even when he said he was lying, he was still lying. Yeah. It, it was just double lies. Anyway, anyway uh, congratulations lies. to America. Oh. You you got through you got through your inauguration without right. massive amounts of violence. I have been enjoying reading the news though this morning. Right. Uh, I wake up the first thing I do every morning, Ray. Yeah, uh, see if we're still here. Uh, <laughs> is I read, I read the Associated Press, right? Because I think that's probably one of the more balanced mm. U.S. news sources. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the left-right uh, filter, that it tends to be more sort of centrist and uh, non-hypey. Um, and then I immediately go to Fox News and yes, go, "All right, yeah, let's get into how's it." How's Fox depicting it? I don't need coffee. The with this. Great thing, yeah. Great thing this morning is I read the news. It's all about the inauguration and executive orders and bloody bloody blah. Nothing, right. yeah, suicide bombing in Baghdad, but n- nothing, nothing. Uh, big in America. Right. I go to Fox News. The headline of Fox News is uh, uh, left-wing insurrection. Sure. And sure. it's talking about riots in Portland and Seattle, which it says, with no evidence, were <laughs> run by uh, Antifa right. and BLM protesters. Sure. And it says at the end of the story, this story was like written with the help of the Associated Press. I go back to the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. I go, really? I didn't see that. Still can't see it. Yeah. Go searching the Associated <gasps> Press. Oh. Do find a story on the protests, but they, they don't call it a left-wing insurrection and they don't mention Antifa and BLM. Yeah. Um, 
Then I go to Breitbart. Breitbart says it's Antifa and BLM protests. They're all... <laughs> I read the comments. I love reading the comments on Fox News and Breitbart. Right. It's fantastic. It just makes my day. Oh. Um, and then and then somebody uh, on, on our uh, bullshit field of Facebook page where I posted these stories, posted me one from The Guardian, which also said it was left-wing protests. Mm. But they didn't provide any evidence Either, right. apart from some, some of the protesters were spray painting an anarchist symbol on the uh, Democratic offices in Oregon or something, right. of Oregon in Portland. Um, so really hard to know what's going on. But I just love, I love looking at the difference. Like the difference right now, most of the US media is like it's a brand new day. Right. But then you go to Breitbart, Fox, Gab, the right wing sources, Being and attacked. they're just losing, yeah. losing their fucking minds. Right. It's, uh, the you know, Khrushchev has taken over America. <laughs> And uh, he's going to be banging his shoe on the table any moment now. He and Chavez anyway. aren't both dead. Anyway, That's... anyway. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking. This is not the bullshit, Phil. This is the Cold War show. Yeah. This is... On September 1st, 1948, yes. Ray, Frank Wisner. Yeah, a zealot. Took charge of the CIA's covert operations team known as the OPC, the Office of Policy Coordination. They they even had a theme song. Thank God. It's, uh, we're done with OPC. You never heard of me. me. We're done with OPC. You never heard of me. We're a big secret. We're down with OPC. Yeah. You never heard of me. We do it secretly. Focus your attention on yeah. the real baddies. <laughs> um, CIA was a publicly known entity yeah. at this stage, yeah. but the OPC was top secret. Top. It was the top secret top division within the CIA. <laughs> right. Now, Frank Wisner yes. wasn't the first guy to be offered the job of oh. running the OPC. Who was the first guy they offered it to? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I just assumed that uh, Kennan wanted him and Forrestal wanted him and Marshall wanted him so he'd be in there, but who else do they offer it to? Kennan originally offered the job to Alan Dulles. Right. Huh. Who would have been the obvious pick. Even Frank Wisner thought Alan Dulles should be running it because of his uh, previous experience in Europe during World War II. But when Kennan offered him the job, Dulles turned it down. Why do you think he turned it down, Ray? Ooh, ooh, um... Well, he loves spycraft. He loves all that shit. He's got a massive ego. Why? I, I am flummoxed. Uh, and that is a real word. Why in the hell? Because we know that he's going to want it, desperately want it later. Why does he turn it down at this point in time? I honestly don't know. Well, there was an election going on at the time. And like most Americans at the time, he assumed that Harry Truman was going oh, to lose the presidential election. Right. And... Because he was a Republican, he was sure that the Republicans, Thomas Dewey was running against Truman, that right. Dewey would make him the director of the CIA. So why He's like, I'm not. Just wait. I'm not. Yeah. Delayed I'm not taking, I'm not taking that shit. I'm not taking that job. Yeah. I'm going to run the whole fucking thing, <laughs> the motherfuckers. The world, mama. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, kind of uh, didn't work. Why? You know, didn't work. <laughs> Truman, uh, surprisingly, got reelected. And uh, Dulles ended up having to wait until 1953 when there was a Republican, Eisenhower, in the White House. And then he got the top job. So Wisner is now the guy running the OPC, the secret, top secret, nobody knows about it. Right. 
covert division of the CIA. And the best way, I think you'll agree with me, the best way to avoid war is to hire a zealot, put him in charge of a place uh, where no one's going to be telling him what to do, tons of free money, could do whatever the fuck he wants, and his goal is to rid Europe of communism. I mean, this is going to be a cakewalk. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Um, Yes, his mission was to roll back the Soviets from Europe, containment, in the words of George Keenan Thompson, and... uh, his office was in a crumbling old temporary war department building in Washington yeah. that was known as the what, Ray? The Rat Palace. But it doesn't matter. Just because it's a, a, a piece of shit building from the war where they threw it up real quick after Pearl Harbor, doesn't matter. He's on a mission from God, even though there's rats running all over the place. They, the, his men call it the Rat Palace. He has very few men, and we'll get into that in just a second. But the, it doesn't matter because he's on a divine mission. He's going to do what the American military could not, like you said, roll back the communists. Yeah. All by himself. Um, Stop making the American people part of your experiment. He, <laughs> Rat Palace, uh, coincidentally, name of a heavy, uh, hair metal band I was in oh, in the 80s. Uh, not surprised. Um, now, Wisner's OPC division was soon bigger than the rest of the CIA. Yes. Co- covert ops had more people, more money, more power, and... Mm-hmm. A lot of that was put together illegitimately. Right. <laughs> yes. Because it was illegal. Yeah. Uh, as we've, we've pointed out before, the whole covert ops thing was illegal. Now, the CIA was supposed to provide, right. as people will recall, the president with information yeah. regarding national security. A, they were supposed to be... A clearinghouse. You know, getting... getting Gathered together. Yeah, supposed to be getting information yeah. from everywhere, yeah. sorting through it, yeah. working out the typos... <laughs> And uh, putting it in a nice yeah. manila folder. Mr. Truman, if I could just have 15 desk. minutes of your time, this is what's going on. This is not a threat. This is something we should watch. Boom, boom, boom. You have a nice day, sir. Mm. And I'll see you tomorrow morning. That's it. That's it. Russians, Russians are bad and okay. <laughs> uh, But right. Frank. Right. Oh, no. Frankie Dubs. He got tops. Not interested no. in that. Boring. Boring. Boring, he said. Boring. <laughs> No one wants to do that. That's boring. Best form of defense is offense. That's right. And, and he figured the, right. the the fastest and easiest way right. to do something about communism was to plot coups and bribe politicians. Damn right. Get in their face. You know, you just... You, yeah. Yeah. Whenever, it's going to be hard to send spies in to penetrate the Politburo. Yes. Let's just create trouble everywhere. Cause trouble. Yes. That's... Uh, We'll get- you know, you, look, you may call it terrorism. We call it... Freedom fighting. Freedom and democracy. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, if I can... Because I think, and I don't want to give too much away, but, but the CIA is going to have quite a difficult time over the years trying to get hardcore intelligence inside the Iron Curtain. And you're right. Look, that's going to take a long time. It's a deep game. I don't have the patience for that. And this guy truly is a zealot. So let's... Like you said, we'll create our own opportunities, and that's a nice way of putting it, and that's exactly what he wants to do. He actually draws up a five-year plan. He knows exactly how he's going to go about this. Yeah, and part of his plan was to, initially, was to develop a multinational media conglomerate for spreading anti-communist and pro-American 
propaganda. Is there any other kind? Uh, called it Fox News <laughs> and uh, <laughs> was way ahead of his time. Right. He, uh, he, he also wanted to wage economic warfare against the Soviet Union by counterfeiting money yeah. and manipulating markets, just washing it full of fake money, yes. just fucking shit up, yeah. economic warfare, man. Right. He spent millions, as we have mentioned on uh, earlier episodes, right. trying to influence elections in different countries. Yeah. Bribing politicians, bribing religious leaders, bribing criminals, causing trouble, you know, bribing the media I, in these countries, right. just, yeah. Well, I can bribe a politician, I can bribe a priest, but if I'm bribing a criminal, they're already a criminal. I'm just kind of working with the criminal. I, I, I think that's how that should be worded. I could be wrong. Well, it's, if, you want, if, you, if you're trying to convince them <laughs> oh, to do right. what you want... Right. I think that's technically bribery. Okay. All right. I think I think you anyway, stand corrected. The the point point to understand about all of this yeah. is in Frank's mind. Right. And in the mind I think of many uh, Americans in the CIA, in the Pentagon and probably in the White House at the time. He's preparing for World War 3. Yes. He, he knows it's coming. Legitimately like like Christians legitimately <laughs> believe that Jesus is going to return any, any day, day now. Any day. And I'm surprised he's not here already. Uh, Wisner, along with his colleagues, genuinely believed that World War Three was coming and the best way to prepare, not prevent, no. but prepare for World War Three was to, you know, destabilise the Soviet Union in any way, shape or form. You know, I had this realisation um, yeah. this week, Ray. Yeah. Again, this is more something for the bullshit field, but I think it fits here. Sure. I, I, I came to the conclusion that America is a cult. Mm. That's not bad, actually. Okay. Tell me more. Um, well, it, it, if you think about the definition of a cult, I'm going to look it up. Sure. We'll see how many of these the United States uh, Tick, fit. Right. Ticks. Yeah. yeah, I've got a few ticks. Don't know about you. Uh, <laughs> well, if I go to Miriam Webster, it says, definition of cult, a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. Now, is is the United States a religion? I think, for, I would argue for a lot of Americans, it is a religion. Yes. It's, it's a matter of uh, faith, yes. right? Yes. You believe in America. You believe America is good and right and true and can do no wrong. Yes. Certainly a guy like David Markham uh, feels that way. Um, I mean, there might, I'm sure there are, are Americans that are woke, but, you know, there are, I'd say most Americans tend to believe Take that America is good and right. right. At least the, the American, you know, that they like, the governments that they like are good and true. Right. They think that the other guys are bad and evil and horrible, oh, but yeah. the ones that they like, oh, they think are the good know. guys. Okay. And, and America... In general, and its role in the world, oh, like uh, I got into an argument with uh, a guy on Facebook this week, surprisingly, um, who tried to tell me about all the all the good that America's done. Oh, I've been an overwhelming force for good in the world. I'm like, really? You want to you want to give me some evidence of that? Uh, he said he started to try and debate me, and I said, wait, 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 wait. Have you listened to our Cobble series? And he said, no. And I said, well, just go listen to it. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to catch up. I'm not going to. You've done 200 shows. I'm not going to, yeah. like, you know, rehash all of it here. That's why I do the fucking podcasts. Sure. Good so I don't have to get involved in Facebook debates. Right. And then he DM'd me later and goes, I just signed up and didn't realize it was 200 episodes long. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, he could, you're welcome, <laughs> I guess. He could probably fit his ideas on a napkin. So now you know what you're dealing with. 
now you know why I'm not going to, right. uh, you know, regurgitate all of this on Facebook because there's too much to it. Anyway, definition of a cult. A great devotion to a person, idea, object, yeah. movement or work. Check. I would say Americans check that. Right. Um, uh, let's see. Whereas I think, I mean, usually it's 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 something about uh, definitions of uh, like led by a leader that can do no wrong. Um, something like that. Right. I think you know at least half Americans think that their president uh, at, at any time can do no wrong. Yes. Um, you know they get behind them and just believe in them a hundred and ten. A charismatic. Here we go. Psychiatrist Robert J. Lifton, who once taught at Harvard Medical School, wrote a paper titled "Cult Formation" in the early nineteen eighties. He delineated three primary characteristics, which are most the most common features shared by destructive cults. One, a charismatic leader who increasingly becomes an object of worship as the general principles that may have originally sustained the group lose power, that is a living leader who has no meaningful accountability and becomes the single most defining element of the group and its source of wow. power and authority. Wow. Right on the nose. Look, yeah, look, uh, you could argue about a meaningful accountability, etc., etc. but I think the you, whoever the president is at the time yeah. uh, fits that uh, definition pretty well. Again, half the population would disagree, but the other half totally, is totally on board. Yes, Point two, a process of indoctrination or education is in use that can be seen as coercive persuasion or thought reform, mm-hmm. commonly called brainwashing. The culmination of the, this process can be seen by members of the group often doing things that are not in their own best interest, but consistently in the best interest of the group and its leader. Yeah. Uh, Blue-collar blue workers voting Republican. Yeah. Uh, or voting Democrat, even though the Democrats are just, you know, Republican light these days. Right. Uh, I would, and, you know, like, there's so much indoctrination. You know, the fucking uh, Pledge of Allegiance every morning, school children. I remember Hello? that. I remember that. Yeah, that is, by definition, indoctrination, coercive persuasion. If you don't say it, you get in trouble, uh, blah, blah, blah. If you don't put your hand on your heart during a parade, you get in trouble. And I, that people will get... I thought it was a crime. <laughs> I, was at, Sorry, I was at a fucking parade in Cedar City. Right. And uh, everyone was putting their hands on their heart, and I didn't. And people were nudging me, like, put your hand on your heart. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, fuck yeah. off, I'm not an American. I don't even I don't know if I got one. I don't even know what's going yeah. on. Do you know why you put your hand on your heart? Tell me why you put your hand on your heart. Nobody could explain it's, it. Well, you just do. <laughs> you I'm just like, do. Yeah, so okay. Don't think. Just <laughs> you fucking just do. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Point three: economic, sexual, and other exploitation I mean, of group members by the leader and the ruling coterie. Oh, Pfft. yeah. Check. Yeah, yeah. Big are check. Americans economically exploited yeah. in general by the elite? Biden, Hello. Have you seen Biden hug people? That's sexual. Come on. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's right there. Come on. So there you go. That's yeah. my new thing. America is a cult. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Bef- before we return to the show, I have to ask. So just for a second, let's just let's just back up and zoom out for a second. So it's late 1940s. World War II is over with. Whew, thank God that's over with. A sub, a department within the CIA is somehow going to literally remove the Soviets from Eastern Europe and any places that they may threaten in uh, in um, uh, Asia. 
And but you and I have talked about the the Russians um, basically know that Eastern Europe is the pathway, the doormat, if you will, to invading Russia. It's already happened three times: World War One, World War Two, and what happened after World War One with the Americans and the British. I mean, if they don't close that door, you know it's going to happen again. It's just a matter of how and when. It's all the details. So. I, I think we're both. I think we're both on agreement that Stalin, even though it was kind of heavy-handed, he's doing something that's expedient. He's doing something to avoid another war because, like you said, he's going to need at least twenty billion dollars to try to fix up his country from what the Nazis did, and somehow, so the so the Russians have means and they have motivation, but somehow the sub department of the CIA, which is brand new, hardly any funds, don't know what they're doing yet, but all this is coming. They're somehow going to reverse the tide of history. It would take a zealot like Wisner to think, yes, I can do this. It's just a matter of time. I get the right people. I get some money and we're off to the races. I mean, isn't it a little bit, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for, but it isn't unrealistic for them to think that they can honestly do this. Or is it a part of the American arrogance because we helped win the war? I, I don't know what it is, but for Wisner, this is like, yeah, this is doable. I don't get that. Well, look, I think your first mistake right. there, Ray, is you're, you're thinking about it from a Soviet perspective. Right. Um, never, never pays uh, as an American to think about things from someone else's point of view because as soon as you do that, you get kicked out of the cult. Oh, sorry. So if you want to stay in the cult, right. don't think of things from – that's my job. <laughs> my job. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you're crossing the streams there, Ray. You're crossing the Rubicon. Um <laughs> Gotcha. Very dangerous, my friend. Yes, of course. Uh, and Stalin was trying to create a defensive barrier around his country because he may not have anticipated World War Three, but he did expect the the British and the Americans to attack Russia. Uh, partly because that was uh, communist uh, ideology. Right. They believed that capitalists would try and crush any sort of socialist experiment, and they were right on that. B. Uh, because of experience, as you say. They, they've been invaded before by the West twice in his lifetime mm -hmm. and also by Japan, we should point out as well, right. um, back in the late 1800s. Um, and, and uh, you know, he, he needed to take steps. Now, you say it was heavy-handed, but was it really at this point? What had he done? by 1948 that was heavy-handed in this regard? I, I think the way, from what, and I'm not certainly not an expert in this, uh, the way that it happened in Poland with certain people being arrested, certain people being uh, pushed to the front as far as running for office, I think the organization of bringing these people who agreed with Stalin uh, were the ones who ended up getting in, into positions of power, and everyone else through various means, did not. I, I think it certainly was orchestrated. But again, I would do that too to make sure I had the results that I needed. So it certainly wasn't freedom-loving. Uh, Stalin said to the people of Poland, vote any way you want. I don't care. You do you. Um, I think there was a certain amount of control. Right. So he interfered in an election, mm -hmm. which the Americans also did. <laughs> Um, we wanted to, and the British, right? And we wanted the British to do more were doing in Poland, in, but we couldn't. Anyway, and the British were doing it in Greece, in the Middle East. So, 
Yeah, so when we say heavy-handed, I mean, he was manipulating elections. Right, relative term. Uh, or, or helping manipulate elections with money and, and maybe some, uh, you know, I know, support for violence. Um, you know, this, this, they were all doing it, is my point. Yeah, oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. It was, they all felt this was morally justifiable, I guess, interfering in elections. Mm-hmm. So Wisner created networks of what are called stay-behind agents, foreigners who would fight the Soviets on the opening days of World War III in their own countries. His goal was to slow the advance of the Red Army in Europe after World War III broke out by having, you know, a fifth column, I guess, basically in all of these countries that could infiltrate and slow them down. And he wanted... Arms, ammunition, and explosives huh. stockpiled yeah. in secret caches all over Europe and the Middle East, which could be used to blow up bridges, depots, yeah. oil fields, etc., etc. When yeah. the war broke out, you forgot to say that now, a war that the Russians started because we all know, we all know, all of us good Americans know that the Russians are going to be the one. That starts the war. I just wanted to say that because I'm a proud American. Go ahead. Please continue. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. General Curtis LeMay, our old friend, now the new chief of the Strategic Air Command, yeah. guy who's in control of America's nuclear weapons, which he built, mm-hmm. oversaw the, the building of them, knew that after he sent his bombers in to bomb the fuck out of Moscow <laughs> with nuclear weapons... Once the Russian side of the war, uh, they would... Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> they would have to refuel on their way back right. um, or they'd have to bail out yes. somewhere. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. So Curtis told Frank, or his right-hand man, Franklin Lindsay, mm-hmm. to build a rat line yeah. inside the Soviet Union, sure. an evacuation route for his men to escape overland. Yeah. Now, uh, building rat lines right. outside <laughs> behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah, yeah. Does this sound like does this sound like a good plan, Ray? Building rat lines inside the Soviet Union. Well, uh, does, mm, on paper, I think it's phenomenal. Now, like the Underground Railroad for runaway slaves uh, in America to get to Canada, it was an open society. It was rather easier to to establish that this is this is a stalin's russia i mean they've got a lockdown um on this the nkvd the the precursor to the kgb whatever i mean not only do the not only does frank weisner not have any agents behind the lines but he's suddenly going to find these people train them give them arms then send them they're supposed to somehow get through uh behind the iron curtain and then set something up this to me is something that Walt Disney should be thinking about because it's a fucking fantasy. But hey, what a wind up. This is Frank Wisner's, um, this is now his his goal, his task given to him by the uh, by the strategic command, set up, set, basically set up an underground railroad inside Soviet Russia and all its territories to be able to get these pilots out once they have to ditch their planes. We are dealing with fantasy here, in my opinion. So you're saying instead of a rat line, it should be a Mickey Mouse line. <laughs> Yes, because it's just as realistic. Yes. Hey, Curtis. I can do it. Yeah. Hello, boys and girls. Hello, pilots. 
Oh, that's very good. Thank you. I just so you have to. How hard do you have to squeeze your nuts to be um, able to do that? I, I have an answer wondering. for this. As hard as you squeeze them when we were at a stop sign and you were driving in the van, I was in the passenger seat for no reason whatsoever that I can remember. You reached over and squeezed. Ever since then, I've been able to do Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I wasn't. Squeezing, you misunderstood oh, that. I told you at the time fondle? I was checking oh. to see if you had any. Oh, I bet you were yeah. surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they haven't been. I was. They haven't been the same <laughs> since. Anyway, so to me, this I thought is, Heather had chopped them off. To me, this is right up there with Wisner somehow defeating Soviet Russia on his own. But anyway, now apparently uh, Curtis's Air Force colonels. Yes were barking commands well, they at this the idea. guys in the CIA. Yeah. No, they and they also figured that they basically owned the CIA. Right. They could get it to do whatever they wanted. My bitch. And they were giving them all sorts of orders like steal us a Soviet fighter bomber, sure. preferably with the pilot sure. stuffed in a gunny sack, Check. infiltrate Agents with radios onto every airfield between Berlin and the Urals. Check, check. Sabotage every military runway in the Soviet Union at the first sign of a war. Check, check, check. Like, um, and these weren't requests. These were orders yeah. coming in from Air Force corners. Like, okay, you basically need to uh, infiltrate. Everywhere. All of the yes. exit avenues from the Soviet Union. Well, how the fuck is Wisner going to do that? He's got, like, at this stage, like five guys and a pony. <laughs> So he's going to need an army of thousands yes. of American covert spies, foreigners. and that's what he sets out right. to do. But well, he needs the, the the spies to recruit the foreigners. Yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. But as you know, getting good people—that's very hard. That's a very hard thing to <laughs> oh, do. Tell me about that's it. That's a very hard oh, thing to fuck do. It, tell me about it. <laughs> because oh my god, Rachel, my sister-in-law, before she ran the company that she runs, uh, basically it she uh, she worked for a headhunter firm. I don't know much about this, but the, but the stories that she told me, the tactics they would use to try to pull good people away. So I guess there's only about seven good people in the world. I have no idea. But but Weisner, like a lot of other executives, is going to be haunted by constantly finding the right people and enough of the right people. This is going to be a headache for him forever. I know how he feels. So yeah. in the in the early stages, he recruited Anyone with a heartbeat. Oh, that's he would me. go from Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, you would have fit right in. That's me. Pentagon, Park Avenue, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. Mm-hmm. Professors and coaches were paid to spot potential CIA talent. Nice. He hired lawyers, bankers, college kids, old makers. school friends, right. veterans who couldn't find a job. Right. In three in three years, he opened. Forty-seven overseas CIA stations. Wow! And I think you said this is like that's yes. Operation Warp Speed. He called it <laughs> um, a bit like Trump's Operation Warp Speed. He he got a lot of stuff happening really quickly. Didn't really right. know what to do well, with it when he got it up and running. But you know, mm-hmm. he he got it up and running. No, nothing happened. Yeah, there was a lot of movement. but he got it up and running. Yeah, there was a lot of very good at getting things up and running. <laughs> Frank was right. There's a there's a lot of uh, movement going on, and I very good at starting shit. Oh, I can not very good yeah, at finishing no, it, but good at starting right. it. Right, it's kind of like me and sex. Anyway, I think you might have said this at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. I can't remember, but Wisner uh, truly is um, a zealot. He worked six days a week, twelve hours a day. 
obviously didn't have much of a personal life except for alcoholism, and he expected his officers to do the same. So don't get me wrong. This guy has an idea. He's on a mission from God. He is completely behind it, and he complete, he thinks it's completely doable, and he does give it his all. But but like you were hinting at a second ago, finding the right people, finding enough of the right people fast enough is just something that is going to be, I think, beyond him. Not that he's not going to be able to stir up a lot of dust, but the world only moves so fast. But there's just nothing that can satisfy this guy. This guy truly is on a quest, um, and he's just trying to grab as many people as he possibly can. Some of them are going to be better than others. Almost every city where he set up a a station, they had two CIA station chiefs. One working on the the official job of the CIA, espionage, intelligence gathering, the Office of Special Operations, OSO. The other working for OPC, baby, you know me, the the covert... (laughs) Division yeah. for Wisner, Balls to the wall. and inevitably they ended up double crossing each other, <laughs> stealing each other's agents, yes. trying to fight for the upper hand for Sabotage. who controlled it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you didn't. They didn't need the Soviets <laughs> to disable CIA stations. Apparently, the CIA station chiefs were very capable but, of sabotaging themselves. But Weisner helped in this because you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that eventually there's going to be a lot of money flowing through his department and not the CIA in general. So he's going to take a lot of the money that he gets, and he's going to he's literally going to steal out the other part of the CIA's uh, staff by offering them a lot more money and a chance to be a hero. So again, his own passion is blinding him. He's he's literally doing something good with one hand and ruining it w- with the other. Not unlike masturbating with the cheese grater. I mean, this this guy is, is too much motion, not enough results. And, but this guy's killing why, He's why exhausting you, me. Why do you say masturbating with a cheese grater with such confidence <laughs> like you absolutely have tried that I, before? Um, well, you hear about it. Try everything once. That's your policy. to the kitchen naked one. Anyway, yeah, yeah, just once. Just once. Yeah, he poached hundreds of officers from OSO, Jesus. and he very quickly controlled a huge military stockpile. He had How much, aircraft, arms, Sorry. ammunition, parachutes, uniforms, Estimated of a value of around $250 million, 1948 money, which is like a lot of money. Um, Within a few years, he had thousands of people under his command, was running around trying to overthrow governments and influence elections around the world. And all of this was a complete secret to the American people, all off the back of... NSC 68 that we mentioned a few episodes ago, which was also top secret. Yes. One of one of Wisner's earliest hires was a guy called James McCarga. He was a State Department employee who had been running clandestine ops in Hungary yeah. during World War II. He was put in charge of seven nations, <clears throat> Greece, Turkey, Albania, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, and Yugoslavia. Sounds right. I can do it. In 1963, he published a book under the pseudonym Christopher Felix. It's called A Short Course in the Secret War. I read it. Um, It's exactly what you'd expect for a book written by a CIA agent at the height of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very sort of uh, pro-USA, anti-Russia, no no understanding of of Russian perspective, Soviet perspective, what they're trying to accomplish. It's all Soviet evil, America good. Sounds right. 
Um, and he wrote this in 1963, as I said, just after most Americans even worked out that the CIA was involved in covert operations after the failure of the Bay of Pigs. Right. Uh, they were like, what? what? Our government's trying to overthrow another government? When did that's, that happen? It's not cricket. Yeah. But I want to I want to read this story because um, in one chapter called The Art of Cover, right. about halfway through the book, he tells this great story. During the Second World War, an Englishman, whom we shall call Geoffrey, was living in Tangier. As a mildly eccentric bachelor whose small private income enabled him to indulge his liking for the climate, the good life, and a certain sense of the exotic, Geoffrey had already spent some years there. In peacetime, he was no different from the majority of other members of the Tangier British community. In other words, his cover for his work as a British intelligence agent, which he was, made sense precisely because he didn't stand out. The outbreak of war changed that. In fact, the problem became exactly the reverse. For Geoffrey to continue and to cultivate those Axis contacts which were desired, he now had to have a cover which would isolate him from his fellow Britishers. It had to be one which would explain his continued presence in Tangier and would make him acceptable to his German, Italian and Spanish sources. It would certainly not be sufficient for him merely to pose as a pro-Axis Englishman. Mm -hmm. It is the fate of turncoats, usually unforeseen by them, to be regarded with double suspicion by their newfound friends. There is always a counter-espionage official somewhere who continues to suspect that even the most sincere defector is a double agent. Something was needed which would lend authenticity to Jeffrey's banal, in the eyes of covert operations professionals, protestations of pro-Axis sentiments. Like most Englishmen of his class, Jeffrey had had various scrapes in his past and was given to occasional hell-raising of sorts. It was decided to play up this aspect of Jeffrey. In fact, to put on the act of the Englishman going native, running to seed in his exile, a sort of Somerset Maugham China Seas character in a North African setting. I was thinking more of uh, uh, Colonel... Uh, what's his fucking name? Marlon Brando and Apocalypse Now. Oh shit! Kling Klinger, Colonel. No, that's Mash. Colonel Higgins Heroes. Um, Kurtz. Kurtz. Thank yeah. you, Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, gone native. Right. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but it had to be authentic. Jeffrey had to live his cover, as the professional saying has it. Right. Had to be a method actor. Speaking of Brando, right. he did so. He went from women to men, oh. from alcohol to drugs, and from bad to worse. Right. See, it's not gay, Ray. <laughs> if MI five tells you to fuck other men, you do it for king as part and, of your cover. Queen and country or king and country. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to fuck. As this Chrissy guy. always says, right. Chrissy always says, "Is that gay guy? <laughs> is that guy gay or just British?" It's very yeah. hard to tell. Possibly both. Jeffrey perfectly... Jeffrey... <laughs> George Michael. Yeah. Fucking Freddy Krueger. No, Freddy... Mercury, yeah. <laughs> you never know about Freddy Krueger. I mean, because we never got past the... Uh, Freddy Krueger. So, oh, yeah. Well, a little known fact that Freddy Krueger was really Freddy Mercury. He'd kill you or rape you and he gave you a choice. That's why there's a lot of dead people. When he died, right. when he died, he came back as Freddy Krueger. Uh, I think he died a few years after that film, but uh, don't fucking timeline me. It's uh, timey-wimey. You know that. Timey-wimey shit. 
Jeffrey Jeffrey perfectly fitted the Nazi preconceptions of the errant degenerate Englishman. He was not simply isolated from his compatriots. He lived in a sea of their opprobrium. That's how I feel most of the time on Facebook. I live in a sea of people's opprobrium. And loving it. In London... His superiors had an easy check on his progress simply by reference to the number and the violence of denunciations of Jeffrey by Britishers. Some themselves agents, but unwitting. But Jeffrey successfully accomplished his mission. He never once gave away his cover. Even after it was all over, he didn't give it away. And it killed him. It wasn't just the drugs and alcohol. The hatred and contempt of people one likes can easily be physically unbearable. That's where I'm different because I don't like anyone. <laughs> so you're good. So I don't care. You're the perfect spot. I don't care what people... You don't like me? <laughs> Fuck you too. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. I bend over. Shut <laughs> I don't up. Care. I don't care what you think of me. <laughs> I, don't care. I couldn't care less I really, if I tried. I really if could I not care less. If I took a course and read... And, I, yeah, not, I could not care less. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I did a course. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a fucking double PhD in not giving a shit what One people think about finger. me. Exactly. Yeah. So MacArthur. Yeah, that's, that's that line from The Wire. You remember that? No, Is that what you're referencing? No, I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, no. Oh, hold on. I've got to find that. Uh, this, for people who haven't seen The Wire, this is uh, police captain Rawls talking to one of his uh, officers, uh, McNulty, who unwittingly... Uh, said something to a judge that he's friendly with that made the police department look dumb and out of touch. This is his off. His chief, his, his captain, calls him in late at night into his office, and this is what he says to him. He's holding up two middle fingers. Sit the fuck down, detective. Something wrong? Put your ass in the chair. You see these, McNulty? You see them? These are for you. These are for you for as long as it takes me to get even. Major, what is... No, no, don't major me, you backstabbing, smart-ass piece of shit. What the fuck you doing over at the courthouse anyway? Why the fuck are you talking to some shitbag judge? These are for you, McNulty. This one over here is going up your narrow fucking Irish ass. And this bad boy over here is in your fucking eye. I'm upstairs answering questions about some project nigger I never even heard of who's supposed to have beat my unit out of ten murders. Three. There only be three in court. I got the deputy asking about ten. Well, no, they did ten. We only charged them with three. You're full of shit. Well, sir, you can check the files. Maurice Scroggins, Toreen Boyd, Roland Leggett. What's the name? The girl they found in the stairwell in Saratoga. Colette something or other. I mean, Major, these guys are real. They beat me up on the Gerard Bogue case, just like they did Barlow. Scroggins? Anyway, yeah. that's it. Is yeah. <laughs> up your yeah. no, you got narrow Irish ass. Yeah. One for your <laughs> eye, one for your ass. Uh, all right. Another early hire uh, of Frank Wisner's was a guy called Al Ulmer. Mm-hmm. He was sent to Athens, yeah. where he was also set out to cover 10 nations. Shout out to our friend Mickey 
in Athens. Mickey. We've been chatting with Mickey this week. Mickey's doing great. He's in uh, Athens doing great. Life's good, he says, eating his wife's pussy every <laughs> night, he says, uh, because, you know, we, we put him onto that. Right. And he, he always tells us his wife thanks yes. us for, uh, you know, telling him to eat a pussy every night. Um, also, shout out to Scotty Burbick, who uh, yeah. loves nothing more than texting me and going, hey, you eating your wife's pussy right now? And I say, well, not right now, but give me an hour or so and we'll get there. Wow. Uh, wow. We've gone so far beyond podcasting. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> he was sent to Athens where he was supposed to cover 10 nations as well, across the Mediterranean, the Adriatic and the Black Sea. Yeah. And I like this bit. He bought a mansion sure. on a hilltop well, yeah. overlooking the city, right. a walled compound with a 60-foot-long dining room and top-drawer diplomats for neighbours. Well, it's all hush-hush. A 60-foot-long dining room right. he bought. yeah. In a mansion on a hill, not, not uh, at all trying to uh, yeah. stay, you know, anonymous, undercover, right. keep it keep it on the DL. <laughs> He's like, fuck no, <laughs> is there any palaces going here? Loud and proud. What about the Parthenon? Yeah, can I have that? Can I, can I move into the Parthenon? Yeah, yeah let's just give, move into the Parthenon. We'll do it up. We'll spend a lot of give money. Give me a number. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, we've got unlimited <laughs> money. We'll just buy the Parthenon. <laughs> Fuck it, we don't even buy it. You just give it to yeah, us, and it. we're just going to move yeah. in, and uh, it'll be great. I'd have parties there. be fantastic. I don't think Al got the gist of CIA work, but hey, what do I know? He's the one who's in a mansion on a hilltop overlooking Athens, and I'm not. So maybe he, he's got it figured out. But the point is, I, I think all the screams, don't look at me. There's nothing to see here. I asked Mickey to – I tried to figure out what this mansion was. I tried to find a photo right. of it, some information on it. <clears throat> how old it was, who owned it before him, who owns it now. Couldn't find anything on that. But um, I, I said to Mickey, that's your job. Yeah. Run around Athens, knock on, knock on every mansion on every hilltop and say, did the CIA used yeah. to own this? Uh, Alma said many years later, we were in charge. We ran things. We were seen as kings. We went all over the world and we did what we wanted. Again, it's the CIA. It's supposed to be hush-hush. Unless maybe I don't know covert actions like I think I do. It could be me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the definition of covert was a bit loosey-goosey, I think, then. But I, I, I like this because, yeah. uh, look, and this is, you know, I, I when I posted something about this on Facebook the other day, this guy, Daniel, that got stuck into me and I told go listen to the Cold War show, he was, he was like, well, you don't think every other country uh, runs secret covert operations? And yes. Yeah. No, they do. Right now. Daniel, I fully... I understand that. Yeah. My point in talking about how America does it right. is just to point out that America does ah. it. Because I don't think no. most people and certainly most Americans right. are even remotely aware yeah. at to the extent of which America has done these things. If they did, Tim Weiner wouldn't have had to put out his book, right. Legacy of Ashes, yeah. on the CIA Whatever that was, twenty years ago, it's beneath us. Because it would be a, it would be a non-story. Everyone would know. Yeah, we know that. No, no, you don't. You don't have a fucking clue. Exactly. Most Americans don't have a clue yeah. because it was kept secret. Uh, it was a policy decision to keep secret. And I'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. But the, the but what's interesting about this is that's this is how the CIA saw themselves, yes. according to guys like Ulmer. At the time, and he was one of the senior-ranking guys. They they were seen as kings. They projected themselves as kings. We were in charge. We ran things all over the world. We did what we wanted. Yes, and he was. I mean, this was yeah. the American mindset 
at the time, the CIA, we're the kings, we run the world, we rule the world, we do what we want, get out of the way, we have unlimited money, unlimited resources, shut up, fuck off, sit down, we're we're here now in Europe. Well, I mean, you you semi can't blame him because we were the lone superpower after after that. You know, Europe had been destroyed. Uh, the Soviet Union was, was in tatters as well. And, so, and we've got all our, our money and Britain's money. So there was a certain amount of arrogance there that is justified. But again, it's your job is to do covert things. You know, it's supposed to be sleight of hand. You get results and no one knows how it ended up being that way. But no, I guess when you literally think you're the greatest country in the world and everybody else is beneath you or weakened or whatever, you can do whatever you want. And I think they all just got caught up in that. And I think it would also go back to Al's personality as well. They should have brought someone else in who wouldn't have hired, uh, rented a mansion, but that's what happened. And obviously he never got in trouble for it. Now, the CIA uh, in Greece started uh, to channel secret funds. Yes to Greece's most ambitious and corrupt military and intelligence officers, promising them that if they did what the CIA told them to do, they would one day end up running the country. Now, we know that England has already, Britain's already been in Greece, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, fucking up the uh, communists that fought the Nazis Mm -hmm. Uh, Britain decided, well, thanks very much for beating the Nazis, but we're going to fuck you over now, kick you Here's out, and uh, reinstall your king. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we said Atlantic Charter, self-determination of all peoples, for use. We, didn't, yeah. we didn't specify right. Greeks. Yeah. So, no, you know. Nothing personal. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All peoples, hashtag, uh, <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Not used. No Greeks. Right. right. So the point is, one day there might be a a military officer or an intelligence officer who's in his mid to late 20s. They get him on the payroll now. 20 years from now or whatever, he's in charge of the country or he's got a a position of premier or foreign minister. He is now owned by the CIA. So, again, there was some long-term planning here, which is always a good thing to do. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, they're certainly bashing people over the head with just bags full of money. Which... And this is the genius of it. Right. This has been the the American style of hegemony since the end of World War II, and it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And I think this is one reason, again, why a lot of people don't understand the nature of America's empire. We've even had scholars on the show argue with me whether that America is an empire. Right. Because they don't see it in, in the sense of a, like an 18th, 19th century. Right. Empire, yeah. right? It, it's the not. It doesn't matter. You know, America's not. America's not running around the world, you know, uh, putting boots on the ground in eight hundred countries and putting flags everywhere and saying you're now part of our country Gun, and uh, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's done by money, Benjamin. It's it's yeah. It's done by buying your way right. uh, into positions of influence and power. You know, they were running around Europe at the time, you know, uh, uh, talking to politicians, generals, spy chiefs, newspaper publishers, union bosses, cultural organisations, religious organisations, anyone who needed cash. And, of course, everyone needed cash because Europe was fucked, broke, flattened, destroyed, crushed. Everyone needed cash. And so the CIA is running around Europe 
with briefcases full of cash <laughs> saying, listen, anyone who's willing to say no to communism and yes to America hey. gets a briefcase of cash. Briefca- it was Oprah. Yeah. They sent Oprah out there. She's going, you get a briefcase of cash and you get a briefcase of cash and you get a briefcase of cash. And this is still how America does it. Today, yeah, this is what they cash. do with Guaido in Venezuela. Yeah. This is what they did after they toppled Saddam in Iraq. Obviously, the famous story where they flew an entire plane load full of cash. Pallet. I think it was Pallets. $2 billion. Yes. I'm trying to remember the number. And it flew it into Baghdad, and then it just disappeared. Hey. And Pentagon can't account that, for 90% of that it. That happens. So, and. Yeah. And when they did an audit and they said to whatever the fucking name of the general was who was running Iraq mm-hmm. for America at the time, what, what did you do with the cash? He goes, well, we gave it to people. Who'd you give it to? Well, I don't know. We didn't ask Get for receipts. We're in a hurry. We just gave it away. Spreading the love, uh, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is how, you know, yeah. as uh, fucking what's-his-face uh, said, Robbie Downey Jr. Uh, have I got that quote? I've got this quote. Everybody knows you never go full retard. <laughs> that wasn't the quote I was looking for, though. But the one, the one from Iron Man where he says, you know, that's how my father did it. That's how <laughs> I did it. And it's worked out. Oh, here it is. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> for America. Yeah, see? For America, not so much well, yes. other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It works out. It, 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 it worked out pretty well. So they just keep doing it, you know, and, and it's not because you don't see this happen. Yeah. You're not aware of it. It doesn't get covered much in the media. Yeah. It's just going around and buying influence uh, from corrupt people. Yeah. What most now. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, what most people didn't know is that Wisner had a T-shirt on under a suit that said, not bullets, but Benjamins, because that's the new weapon. Now, you're probably asking yourself, where in the hell... Are they getting all this cash from? Over to you. <laughs> well, yes, but before yes. we get into that, Sorry. I want to talk about, again, a little bit more. We're going to finish up the episode maybe with okay. this about why Americans are clueless about it. Most Americans. You want to be? A lot of Americans. Well, yes, partly. Uh, it helps with the cult. Right. In the, in, the, in the cult conditioning, you're not allowed to talk about this. Um, or or acknowledge it or admit to it right. because then you're betraying your um, holy leader. But it's also because of NSC 102, 10-2. Oh, tell me about it. Well, we discussed this a few episodes ago, Ray, um, three or four episodes ago. This was part of the creation of the CIA. Uh, signed June 18th, 1948, National Security Council Directive on Office of Special Projects, which is what the OPC was known as uh, originally. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of it specifies this idea of plausible deniability, and it's actually the first time the term plausible deniability entered into the lexicon of U.S. foreign relations. Here's the, I've got the uh, NS, uh, what is NSC uh, document here mm-hmm. in front of me, 10 slash 2. Uh, let me read this section. It's clause 5. As used in this directive. Now, this was a secret thing signed, right? right? Nobody knew about this. 
As used in this directive, covert operations are understood to be all activities which are conducted or sponsored by this government against hostile foreign states or groups or in support of friendly foreign states or groups, but which are so planned and executed that any US government responsibility for them is not evident to unauthorised persons, and that if uncovered, the US government can plausibly disclaim any responsibility for them. Specifically, such operations shall include any covert activities related to propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, preventive direct action, I don't know why I put another T in there, Uh, including sabotage, anti-sabotage, demolition and evacuation measures, subversion against hostile states, including assistance to underground resistance movements, guerrillas and refugee liberation groups, and support of indigenous anti-communist elements in the threatened countries of the free world. Such operations shall not include armed conflict by recognised military forces, espionage, counter-espionage, and cover and deception for military operations. Uh, So let's go over those slowly. Propaganda. We're going to... So basically... Plausible deniability means that if these get uncovered, the U.S. government mm-hmm. will lie about it to the American people and the rest of the world. Exactly. That's that's what they're saying here. We will lie about the shit that we're doing if we ever get found out. But it's not and, a lie for most mm-hmm. of the government because they could put their hand on a Bible and go, I have no idea what you're talking about, because the vast majority of the government's is going to be unauthorized persons. They're not going to have a clue of what's going on, so they don't even have to lie. That is brilliant. Yes. But for the people who do know, they will lie about it to the American people. So this is the government saying, listen, we're going to lie to the American people about our involvement Mm -hmm. in these things. And again, for the people sitting out there going, well, doesn't everyone do this? Yes, they do. I'm just pointing out that America does it too. America's not special. America's not better. America's just like every other country. They do bad shit and they lie about it. Just get more cash. Yeah. Yes, they did it on a far greater (laughs) scale than anyone's done it in human history and continue to do so. Right. Now, let's go through these uh, covert activities as listed in this government document. Okay. Sabotage, demolition. Uh, these are the, this is terrorism. We're going to blow shit up, right? Right. Yeah. We're going to blow shit up. Subversion against hostile states. We're going to overthrow elections. We're going to you know get involved in overthrowing elections. Um, assistance to guerrilla groups. Right. So they're we're going to support right. terrorist groups. Yes, yeah. in their country they're a terrorist, and we're going to give them aid. Yes, yeah. basically they're saying we're going to we're going to uh, indulge directly and indirectly support terrorist activities right. in countries, and we're going to do so and design them in a way that if we ever get found out, we will be able to pretend that we weren't involved, and we'll have a cover story. Right. They said, "Well, no, no, it wasn't us. That was." Antifa did that. It was BLM. It was <laughs> the enemy of my enemy. It was is my friend. It was communists. Yes. Oh, it was, no, it was the communists who did yes. that, which is exactly what they did when they overthrew Mossadegh in Iran in 1956, which we'll get into, and um, that whole deal. Right. But here's my point: yeah. is that they deliberately set out to lie to Americans about this stuff. And they continue to lie to America. This is still policy 
to lie to Americans about the shit that they're doing around the world. Right. And this is why, and Americans believe it, because it's a cult. Americans believe the lies told to them by their government. And it's also why 50% of the population in America today believes that QAnon mm-hmm. is, believes because of QAnon, I read this on, uh, I don't know, it was Fox or Gab or somewhere the other day, Bright, but uh, a, good, a good percentage of the QAnon supporters believe that Biden becoming president is actually part of Trump's secret long-term plan good. to bring down the uh, child rapist, pizza-reading, Satan <laughs> blood-sucking worshippers in the Democrats. Right, yeah. right. The re- so my, my, my point is that the reason such a big percentage of the population don't believe anything or do believe crazy conspiracy theories is because the government has been lying to the American right. people forever. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've been lying to people and then, you know, getting caught and still lying about it, for these people's lives and the, and the generations before them, obviously people are going to be... Skeptical, and they you know they can easily be turned from a a a, a, a healthy level of skepticism, like the level of skepticism that I promote, which is yes, be skeptical about everything, but before you believe an alternative story, make sure it's supported by a sufficient amount of evidence. Right. Old business partner of mine, fucking surprising to me, um, Mark. He, he he lives. Sunshine Coast, about an hour north of here. We, my marketing agency, we we started it together. We well, we actually started our own marketing businesses. Then we merged them for a while, mm-hmm. and then we split because he got a job offer where he was, you know, going to be paid a ton of money, and he went and took it. Right. Um, but we've been good friends. We worked at Microsoft, and we worked at another place before that. We've known each other for thirty years. Great guy, smart guy. Um, but he's been pushing these like COVID conspiracy theories on Facebook recently, and I keep engaging with him and challenging his thing. And you know, he, he posted this thing the other day about oh, COVID deaths have been massively uh, overstated, and the mortality oh, rates God. nowhere near as high as they said it was going to be, and all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, what evidence have you got? And he sent me two links, right? And I read through the two links, and neither of them even came close to supporting uh. his narrative. Yeah. And I was like, dude, did you even read these? Like there's nothing in here that backs up anything that you've been saying. So, and I think this is the problem with, you know, this certain brand of, of, of cons- extreme conspiracy theorists is they, they, be- they believe a narrative right. for whatever reason, but they can't back it up. They've got no evidence they, to back it up. And as I say, it's fine to be skepticism is healthy and it's necessary. Yeah. Because we do get lied to constantly, but before you throw your support behind an alternative theory, make sure you can back it the fuck up. It's just embarrassing right. when you send me your evidence and there's nothing in there. It's like a blank sheet of paper, and I'm like, dude, well, there's, yeah. there's nothing in here. Did you? I'm embarrassed. Like, what the for fuck? You. Like, seriously, yeah. I'm happy to you know to read through your evidence, but send me something that that <laughs> that actually has something in it. Yeah. Um, it's like when we did the anti-vax episodes on the bullshit filter, right. right? As soon as I started digging, I said to all the anti-vaxxers, send me everything you've got. Yes. And as soon as I started digging into it, it was as flaky it as fuck. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. flaky as fuck. Yes. It's, it's, it's as bad as the people who put their hand on the heart and say Jesus is a real historical figure. I go, well, what evidence have you got? There's nothing. <laughs> there is nothing. 
Next to nothing, right. you know. It's it's yeah. well, yeah. It's these are all that's right, and these are all statements of faith. It's it's a religious kind of thing. The people who believe in extreme conspiracy theories, the people who believe in America as being good and great, um, you know, these are all religious uh, positions that people take on these things. Yeah. Instead of this is what I try my best to do. I probably fail a lot. But my position when we're doing these shows is uh, the same as the history shows, right? If we're doing Nero or we're doing the Cold War or I'm doing my documentary, it's the same thing. It's look at all the evidence I can, understand it to the best of my ability with my limited intelligence and my limited education, and try and figure out which theory the evidence seems to support. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's a scientific mindset towards history and and politics yeah. and I'm happy to be proven wrong but as I always say if you're going to if you're going to try and tell me I'm wrong come loaded for bear I mean you, you need to bring some facts and if your facts are better than my facts or your interpretation of the facts is better than my facts I'll concede I'm happy to concede because I don't care you want the truth what the truth is right. I just want the truth yeah. I'm not interested in a narrative yeah I just want to know the truth and because I'm a nerd. And go, going back to the occult uh, theme for a second, as an American, if I don't believe the lies the government's putting out, doesn't that make me unpatriotic? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, if you go out there and you know, try this at home, uh, start posting things on Facebook right. about uh, America's role in the world. Right, well, and see what happens as an American. Yeah, see, see, You'll get some responses. See how you get, yeah, yeah. See how you get beaten down by uh, right. the other cult members. Yeah, wow. Um, nothing's changed. In a healthy, a healthy society would go. Uh, oh, really? That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, you know, Can you show me the evidence. Yeah. I'm fascinated. You know, if we're doing bad shit, I want to know about it. Right. But no, that's not the response. The response, I get this from Markham all the time. The response is, what a load of bullshit. You don't understand anything. And I'll be like, okay, well, you know, show me where it's wrong. I don't have time to show you where you're wrong. Of course you don't. I mean, that's what I said to the guy who wanted to baby, but I said, go listen to the podcast because right. I, I do it all here. You know? Anyway, yeah. that's it. That's the episode. We'll be back uh, next time. Descended across the continent.